This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Is it a gadget? Is it a gizmo? No, it's gadgets and gizmos with Steve Kaplan and Simon Rose. Well, there you are. Does what it says on the tin. There we go. And it was starting off with, I'm afraid, Elon Musk again and Twitter. Oh, gracious. Okay. And I hope this will be the last time we'll talk about Twitter for, oh, uh, for sure the time be. being. Yes, anyway. I'm sure. Uh, we mentioned a couple of weeks ago that uh, the blue check, the blue check mark in, in Twitter yes. was there to allow people like journalists and proper celebrities to attest that they were the real deal and not yes. someone simply claiming to be them. Well, that's the whole point. Then. Isn't it? That's the whole point. Then Elon Musk, because advertisers are dropping away from Twitter, he had to find some way of making some more money. He allowed, announced that the blue check mark would now cost $8 a month. Which right. is fair enough. If you're Stephen Fry and you want to tweet to all your followers and they know who you are, then $8 a month isn't too much. What he didn't mention is that anyone can buy a blue check for $8 a month. Right. So the last couple of weeks, we have seen... Um, uh, a tweet apparently officially from Nintendo featuring Mario making a rude gesture. We have seen a drunken Pope Francis talking about his uh, partying in France. (laughs) Right. Again, attested as the real Pope Francis by the blue checkmark. We have seen a tweet apparently from the uh, big pharmacy company, Eli Lilly, uh, telling all its followers that insulin has, was now free. Right. Um, we have seen uh, Martin Luther from the 16th century replying to the Pope's tweet that indulgences now cost $8 each. About time. Okay. There have also been fake accounts set up on Twitter with the blue checkmark for both Tesla and SpaceX, both companies, of course, owned by Elon Musk. Um, Well, I suppose this all has the benefit of probably making people go to Twitter to see what on earth is going on next. It's probably some clever ploy. So how did they check the veracity of blue ticks before? I don't know. They had some way of doing so, I suppose. But now, because they sacked everyone who might have been responsible for doing that, nobody does. So they've withdrawn them. They instate, reinstated the grey Twitter badge, which preceded the, the blue ticks for people like Amazon, so they could actually, you know, the tweet was from Amazon, not from other people. And then the next day, they withdrew it again. And then the next day, they reinstated it again. And then the next day, they withdrew it again. So who knows what's going on? There are two categories of blue tick on Twitter. There's the real ones, which are the ones before the paid-for ones, yes. and there are the new paid-for blue ticks. The thing is, they look identical, and it's not oh. until you click on them <laughs> that you get a little pop-up text saying if they're if they're old ones or if they're the new paid-for ones. So I should be careful. So the blue tick besides Steve Kaplan on Twitter may not indicate that it's real. No. It might if he says anything that makes sense, it probably isn't. Yes, exactly. Okay. Right. <laughs> it might be someone else talking about gadgets. I've got the hang of it now. Okay, well, let's hope we don't have to return there very, for very, before long, but I suspect we will. 
we've probably I mean, well. Let us move on. Let us leave the sewage of Twitter behind mm-hmm. and move on to the sewage of Japan. Well, apparently there is a shortage of sewage pipe inspectors. Really? A shortage what a of glamorous occupation. Pipe. But with a short enough sewage pipe inspectors, because some of the... It's easy for you to say. (laughs) Try again. Um, The shortage of short sewage pipe inspectors. (laughs) It's a bit of a tongue twister, isn't it? Yes. Yes. That's my Christmas list. Um, The answer is robotic spiders. Of course, isn't the answer always robotic spiders? The SPD-1 measures 21 by 25 by 28 centimetres, so it's quite big. It's the size of perhaps five reams of A4 paper stacked together. Right. The uh, the SPD. In other words, a box of a box of copy of paper. A box of copy. Exactly. Yes. Okay. That's the kind of size. Uh, it has six legs rather than the usual eight you might find in a spider, and the legs have wheels on the end, so not that spider-like. Hmm. There are three of them linked together, because that's the way that they suggest you use them. The first one to navigate. The yeah. second one to identify where repairs need to be done, and the third one to mend the repairs with uh, tools attached to its arm. And just in case you're getting worried about rogue on uh, the robot spiders coming up through your lavatory, as I imagine people in Japan might well be worried. Yes, they are linked by a cable to the operator. So they're not autonomous, neither are they wireless. There's a long cable. I mean, someone's got to clean not only the spiders, but the cable after they pull them out. Oh, lovely. Yeah, so I don't know how far they can go on this cable, because I'd have thought, you know, dragging a cable behind you through whatever they have to drag it through, I don't really want to think about it. Must be a bad idea. Anyway, there we go. Robot spiders will shortly perhaps be roaming the sewers of Japan. There's a movie in that, though, isn't there? <laughs> yes, you would think so. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Gosh. Well, that's almost exciting. It's um, almost exciting. Not as exciting, perhaps, as sharks fitted with cameras. That's quite exciting, isn't it? Sharks fitted with cameras. Yes. Okay. This is down to seagrass. Seagrass is a kind of grass that grows under the sea. And a 112-mile-long single seagrass plant hmm. was this year identified as the largest plant in the world. Now, one there plant? Are lots of, one plant, wow. yes. Wow. Big, isn't it? Yeah, there are lots of seagrass meadows uh, off the Bahamas, and they are um, very good, you know, ecosystems for all kinds of animals to live in and graze in and whatever. But because they take up a space of thirty-five square miles, it's quite hard to actually know where they are or where the gaps are or what's happening to them. Hmm. The answer, as I said, is <laughs> robot shark. Well, not robot sharks. Shark actual sharks with cameras fitted to their backs. I mean... I'd love to see the classified ad for that. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Positions wanted. Would you like to strap a camera to a shark's back? Yes. Yeah. That's... Um... Right. How do Does they do that? Do you know? I don't know. I couldn't... I, I mostly have... They have quite heavily protected divers. How they persuade the sharks to stand still for long enough, I don't really know. This is an initiative from, surprisingly, King Abdullah University in Saudi Arabia. So I don't know why they have this sudden interest in what's going on in the Bahamas. Maybe there aren't any seagrass meadows off the coast of Saudi Arabia, but who knows? It's very odd. And how do they then persuade, having put the camera on the shark, how do you then persuade the shark to actually study the um, the Ah, seagrass meadow? Well, glad you asked. Sharks apparently... Uh, like roaming around seagrass meadows. 
because mm -hmm. it provides a bit of shade for them and there's mm -hmm. plenty of uh, prey within these meadows that they can that they can hunt yes so the sharks to, are to which yes and the prey being increased now by the number of people trying to strap cameras to the backs of the sharks exactly <laughs> yes yeah. It's a circle of life. It or, is. Or, or death, in the case of the sharks. Let's have one of these. And having had, let's move on. Well, let's move on from robotic spiders and from camera-fitted sharks to dancing rats. Oh, now, you may well have seen... I, I'm sorry, but is there a blue tick beside you at the moment? <laughs> <laughs> there is, but can you click on it to find out whether it's a real blue tick or whether I'm actually an imposter? Uh, you may have seen YouTube videos of various animals dancing. There's one going around of a, a dancing parrot dancing to Gangnam style, which I'm sure is a song that you play regularly, possibly accompanied by the spoons in your house. Um, I, I know no. it's a sort of Korean something or other. It's a sort of Korean something or other. Very well put. I think that sums it up perfectly. Yeah, thank you. Well, do the are these animals trained to dance to the music, or do animals uh, naturally dance to music? Well, the University of Tokyo has been exploring beat synchronicity, because that's that's what it's called. Right. So what they did is they took twenty people and ten rats, right. and fixed accelerometers to them to track their head movements. They then played them one-minute-long samples, not of Gangnam style, or not of anything with a very strong beat, but Mozart, rather curiously, which I was right. surprised at, uh, in four different tempos, and they found that the rats did indeed jerk their heads in time with the music. Yeah, how intriguing. And not only that, but between 120 and 140 beats per minute produces the biggest reactions from both rats and people. No, it's so, not right much at plus 124, 120 beats a minute plus. It's um, That's pretty nippy. That's quite nippy, isn't it? Yes. That's two a second. That's, that's Please quite, tell that's me they didn't nippy. sort of speed Mozart's 40th up until it was Mozart's 85th or something. I mean, oh. <laughs> oh, I certainly hope not. Well, I'm going, after this, I shall be, I shall be checking with my little um, app that measures beats per minute. And um and, and see whether there is indeed any Mozart of that speed. You should do exactly that. Anyway, so that's what the University of Tokyo is spending their time doing. And um there are all kinds of uses for this, apparently. Um can't think of any <laughs> offhand, but I'm I'm sure there are. Well the, uh, nascent um Pied Pipers, uh, not just from Hanman all over the world now, are, are, are eagerly they digging are. out their their flutes and trying and to practice something at 120 beats per minute speeding up their repertoire yeah. <laughs> they will be able to they will be able to get rid of rats for you how extraordinary yes ah. well at least the rats will be nodding their heads along in time and let it actually be following them around who knows maybe mm. they like the music they will mm. anyway okay. so there we go dancing rats you heard it okay. here first or possibly okay, last i did yes yes okay what now well, on now, I mean, something rather more serious, the Ministry of Defence have demonstrated it's a piece of technology that we have seen in sci-fi for such a long time, it's hard to believe it didn't actually exist until now, but these are laser cannons. Right. Dragonfire, they're calling it. Oh, well, at least they've got to give them a good name. It's not some awful a good sort name, of acronym that means something. Yeah. And they've tested it um, at Porton Down, which is, of course, historically where the MOD has tested all kinds of bizarre things that they've yes. told us about, and many that they haven't probably yes. told us about. 
100 million quid they spent on this so far. Now, the good thing is it can shoot down drones and indeed missiles at the speed of light, literally at the speed of light, which is actually quite impressive. Mm. The better news is that the cost of shooting them down is just one pound per shot, which is an awful lot less than the laser-guided missiles that they were using up until now. Yes, and considerably less than the cost of the missile or the drone. Yes, absolutely, yes. So I think that's probably in a good thing from a defence point of view. I suppose it won't be long before someone puts it to other nefarious purposes. Yeah, well, that's quite impressive. Hmm. But if you've so, ever played any video games, that are any of these sort of sniper games, you probably haven't, but I've played a few of them. Mm-hmm. And in the more sophisticated ones, you have to allow for uh, wind speed and, and yes. the distance and time it takes. Well, of course, if you're going at the speed of light, you don't need to worry about any of those kind of things. No. So this could be a sniper's dream if you can get okay, hold of it. Because there was, there was something in the paper this week about, um, the, it's yet to be verified, but the second longest sniper kill ever from a, a Ukrainian soldier mm. um, close on two miles away. Really? Seriously? And that's where the rifle, yes. The record is two point something miles, apparently. Anyway, um, so in future, it will be done by, done by lasers. Okay, Steve, um, probably just a good moment for us just to pause for a breath so you can have a quick slug of whatever it is that takes your fancy. Sharing ideas about money. This is Share Radio. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Are you suggesting that our listeners have a glass of alcohol next to this? That's the only way they can bear to listen to this show. <laughs> I meant you rather than them. <laughs> oh, me. Oh, thank you. Yes. I'll, I have a glass of water, just in case you were wondering. Yeah, of course it's uh, water. Yes, of course. We always think clear liquid is water. Yes, <laughs> I believe you. Um, So... Uh, we are listening to Gadgets and Gizmos. Uh, I'm Simon Rose. He's Steve Kaplan. If you want to listen to more episodes, then um, you can easily do it by going to your podcast provider and putting in Harken, but without the vowels. It's an easy way of finding us. So where now, Steve? Uh, we're off to Sweden to visit Teenage Engineering. Teenage Engineering being a rather niftily named uh, brand of engineers who produce the kind of engineering that, frankly, only teenagers are that interested in. And by teenagers, I'm including you and me. Right. Yes. This would be ro- robotic, robotic spiders and no, strapping things is, to sharks. They have made uh, their own choir. The choir, they are eight, an eight-piece choir, each one individually made. They're made of beach. And they look beautiful. They look like um, geometric chess sets. But there are, are there eight pieces in the chess set, eight different pieces? No. Let me think. Uh, no. There are five. Oh, you have eight pawns. You have eight. No, 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 a different piece. Oh, I see. Oh, I see what you mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yep. No, I think there are five different pieces. Aren't Six. There? Six different pieces. Six. Anyway, they look they look like um, slightly oversized uh, chess pieces. Very, very beautiful they are to look mm-hmm. at. Each of them has a Bluetooth speaker in. Right. And when they sense that they're near each other, then whatever music is Bluetoothed at them, they divide it up between them. And 
each one is customized with a different kind of voice. So, for example, they have an Italian baritone, a German mezzo-soprano, a bass Cossack, which I'd love to hear, Japanese tenor, and a uh, Palestinian soprano. And it comes with preloaded choral classics, although you can upload your own. Shall we have a little little listen? Yeah, I'm quite curious. Hold on a hmm. second. How do we find it? Here we are. And so on, and yep. we can maybe gradually fade that out as we. Uh, yes, it's fairly we... um, sort of electronic and robotic, isn't it? I mean, it feels like something out of Clockwork Orange. It is because there's no glissando between each note, and that's a shame because if they'd built that in, then it would have sounded a lot more natural. Anyway, you can buy these; they're actually for sale now, two hundred and forty-nine dollars each. Wow. So you're talking about, yes, just a fraction under $2,000 for the whole whole lot. But if you like the sound of it, and I suppose there's someone out there who likes the sound of it, uh, teenage.engineering forward slash products forward slash choir. And you, you, say, you say it looks very good. I'm not so sure about the noise. And I can't help feeling that, you know, if you actually said you were setting up a choir, people would come and they would pay you to belong to it. So you're better off doing that. And there would be real yes. people singing like real people do. I yes. mean, I've heard many bad versions of the Ode to Joy, um, but that's... That's about the worst, isn't it? Well, it was in time. It no was... doubt rats <laughs> all was... over the world were nodding their head to it. <laughs> no doubt, and it was fast enough to, uh, to excite a rat. That's true. Let that's us true. move on from there. Let us go on to our crowdfunding time of the week, okay. please. Okay, then you want one of these. So when people buy a laptop, the idea is that they will work from home, but uh, they also have this vision of themselves sitting on a mountaintop somewhere with uh, a vacuum flask next to them full of coffee, perhaps. But you can't. But you can't. I mean, all these people you see in films and TV series using laptops outside, there's this thing called the sun. And if it's out, you can't see a Ah. blasted thing. Well, there is that. Yes. Maybe during, lo- during, during lockdown, my daughter did develop a, a system for conquering this, but sadly we couldn't really patent it and make a fortune because it was basically a cardboard box on its side. That's a good idea. It was actually a very good idea, yes. Is not so much the sun. Well, possibly the sun is a big issue, but the mm. big issue is where you put your laptop when you're, you know, you're yes. walking, hiking up a hillside, you suddenly get an idea for a novel, you sit down, you get your laptop out, and you're balancing on your knees, it's not very comfortable. Well, in no, that, no, that, no, we should change the name because basically mm. a laptop is almost impossible to use on a lap. A knee top. It's a knee yeah. top, isn't it? Yeah, yeah yes. I guess. Yes. Mm. Uh, the Nomad Desk. The Nomad Desk is made specifically for people like this. It is a desk measuring 75 by 28 centimetres, which might be quite hard for you to visualise. So it's roughly the size of three and a half sheets of A4 paper next to each other. Okay. So once you've got your spider-sized ream of uh, of paper, just take three and a half sheets out of that, and that's the size of the desk. Um, And you can adjust the height of it. It goes up to 110 centimetres tall. So if you want to standing desk 
mm. when you can stand at it. It has quite clever adjustable feet, so it can even go on hillsides so that you can position it on uneven ground. But here's the real best thing about it. It folds up to the size of a laptop. Isn't that clever? Yes. The size of a laptop, seven and a half centimetres thick, so somewhat thicker than your average laptop, you know, two and a bit inches thick, two and a half inches. Um, and um, it looks uh, it looks rather good. It's not that cheap. The uh, There's still super early bird deals uh, available at the time of recording. Mm. It will be still available by the time people listen to it. £174, which they say is 37% off whatever it will eventually sell for. They it's say how heavy it is. I mean, if you've got to carry a laptop up to the top of a hill or wherever you're going, and now you've got this as well. They say how heavy it is. I've, I've forgotten. Um, but not very I heavy. I didn't write it out. Not very heavy. No, it's, you, you it's, it's a light, lightweight aluminium and plastic and a plexiglass, a nice plexiglass surface, which mm. looks very pretty. Yes, anyway, so the cardboard, cardboard the... box you have to carry with you so the sun doesn't get reflected off and the, the screen. Cardboard... Be... Yeah. Well, you could always carry it around in a cardboard box. And then when you open it, That's the cardboard true. box, put it around your laptop. There you go. Problem solved. It might even come in a cardboard box. Anyway, you have we until need, we need month... to have a blue sky meeting to 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 <laughs> hash, hash through some of these things we've come up with and gadgets and gizmos. Okay, that sounds great. And That's then... on Indiegogo until the 9th of December. So do go and check it out. It's it's pretty, and I think it's quite a clever idea. Are you getting one? No. Well, I because I never want to go outside and work. <laughs> no, I, it seems like a pointless idea. But I've seen people doing it, so. You know, who knows? Maybe there's something in it. Um, let us let us go back to Japan for um, for our next item. Um, we're climbing out of the sewers, hosing ourselves down, and shooting up into space because the Japanese are launching a rocket this week, which will land on the moon the uh, end of uh, end of November, and it will collect regolith. Regolith, as I'm sure you know, is the technical term for moon dust. Oh, I didn't which know. it will then, nice. which will then sell to NASA, hmm. and NASA are paying them the astronomical price. Get the little astronomical price, that little little pun of five thousand dollars, which I reckon won't quite cover the cost of the rocket. <laughs> no, <laughs> I wouldn't thought we would cover very much at all. No, likely. indeed, indeed. But well, hardly anyway, get you more than a few blue ticks on Twitter. No, but the important point is this is the first commercial transaction to be taken to take place off Earth by a private company. And so it's setting a precedent. But who owns the rights? Good question. And I'm glad you asked me because the uh, Japan, Japanese government has passed a law allowing Japan companies to extract resources from the moon. <laughs> but that's only... As it happens... As it happens, similar laws were passed by, uh, well, uh, President Obama in 2016, allowing America to uh, access things on the moon, by the United Emirates, and rather bizarrely, by Luxembourg. Although I, I don't <laughs> they believe they send up many Luxembourg... rockets. Well, I wouldn't have thought so, no. No, but, but it's a big financial centre, but they probably just thought, ah, you know, if we get in first, we'll make a big They lights. probably did, yes. Oh, for people whose headquarters are in Luxembourg. Then they, they get this little added bonus. Move to Luxembourg, give us your money, and hey, you can mine the moon if you want to. You would have thought really shoving that first Stars and Stripes in, you know, back whenever. I can't remember. We just had an anniversary, haven't yes. we? I've sort of forgotten what year it was. You would have thought that would sort of basically you've settled it, but clearly not. 
1969, surely that is seared into your memory. It Along isn't, actually. 1966 no. and 1066, that's about it for me. Well, 1066 is, yes, because Battle of Hastings apparently was on my birthday, though I'm sure there was a calendar shift after that, so maybe it wasn't. Ah, 1966, I think, was the last time I watched a football match all the way through. Ah. Anyway. That's, yes, uh, what a shame you didn't choose to watch the final instead. <laughs> <laughs> so we've got time for one more quick one, I think. Uh, let us move on to collapsing bridges, which is a problem. Bridges do collapse. In fact, one collapsed quite recently to disastrous effect, yes. um, as we saw. And they can put uh, accelerometers onto bridges to uh, to monitor their modal frequencies. Yes, well, those they are not strapping to rats. Yes, okay. Those they aren't strapping into rats if they've got any left, yes. Yeah. The modal frequency being uh, an indication of how the bridge is actually vibrating. But of course, it's quite expensive to strap these accelerometers. So um, MIT, those uh, clever people at MIT, their sensible city lab, sensible <laughs> with sensible EA sense, as in sensing. Uh, right, yes, yes. Making sense. Uh, they have got this idea of crowdsourcing uh, the uh, the accelerometers on the basis that everyone crossing the bridge is likely to have a phone in their pocket, and their phone is very likely to have an accelerometer in it. Oh, did this on the Golden Gate Bridge, and so far it hasn't fallen down. So there we go. It's like, <laughs> Obviously, it works. <laughs> yes, that's extraordinary. But what a okay. clever idea! Yes. A bit like that sort of SETI thing. Remember years ago where we yes. were able to use our computers in downtime to help SETI, though they still yes. haven't found anything that they've told us about. Well, that they've yeah. told us about. Yeah. That's very yes. clever. Although so I'm not going to the Golden Gate. So, so you just you just sign in somehow, do you? All well, not be, just be yet, because they have rolled it out publicly, but uh, oh, okay. they will do. Oh. Well, that's it then for this edition of Gadgets and Gizmos. We will be back with more at the same time next week. Bye for now, and thank you to Steve Kaplan. Is it a gadget? Is it a gizmo? No, it's gadgets and gizmos with Steve Kaplan and Simon Rose.